0: Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We are kicking off the season with a little preview pod, giving you a little sense of what our content is going to look like this year, and for the first time in a while, it is a a triumvirate, I think that's a word, it is a a three musketeers type situation. We got on the pod, we got myself, we got Nate Hobbs, who you all remember from last year and of course his illustrious Queen's career. Nate, say hi to the people hello fans and friends that's nate hobbs everybody and joining nate and i we have a new addition to the at the 55 family you may remember him from his time at mac but i say that tongue-in-cheek because he is also an offensive lineman so no one remembers offensive lineman but he also coached at the university of guelph alongside the legend michael mcdonald we have tom sterling on the pod tom say hello to the people hello to the people hello to the people um so yeah, this is the, uh, the crew we're going to have on the pod moving forward, not the three of us all together at once. And I will, of course, give our lovely guests some more airtime than we just did. But just to give a sense of what the year is going to look like, we will have Nate and I doing the recap episodes um, as you got last year. And then me and Tom will be doing the preview pods, getting you ready for the weekend's games and uh, just whatever news and notes come up just to make sure that you are uh, fully abreast to all the happenings in and around OUA football moving forward. But today is a special day because obviously we have all three of us and we are going to do a little overview, a little predictions, a couple storylines we think are going to be happening. Um, So the place that I wanted to start with, and and I can kind of give you guys a bit of time to just talk about whatever, you know, comments, sort of just general thoughts you have off the top. Um, But coming off that COVID season, and I'm – I almost regret calling it the COVID season just because I'm tired of talking about COVID. But obviously, it was a year like none other. Um, Let's start with let's give the uh, let's give the rookie first shot at this. Tom, thinking about that last season, um, all the machinations and then coming that had to happen to make it work. Coming into this year in what looks like just a standard OUA football year as we know it, what do you kind of see as like the legacy of that year? coming into this like is there anything that we're going to learn from it that will sort of maybe like are there silver linings do you think that there was whatever you want to take it what do you think sort of the legacy of that year
1: yeah I think uh the biggest part for me is just a realization on how much I love and appreciate football in general and especially in the OUA you know not having it in 2020 and kind of having it come back in pieces in 2021 with the sixth game with the divisions and things like that i am so looking forward to getting back to an eight game season getting back to you know no more divisions it's the proper you know oua season and i can't wait to see everything kind of going on it's one of the stories that i'm also looking into is you know just looking how these teams are going to interact now that the everything is off the table now i know Obviously, COVID is still around and still a thing. We still need to be careful about it. But it's not been nearly as bad as it has been in the previous couple of years. And I'm just excited to just get back to some football. And I think the silver lining for me, and I'm sure many other fans, is going to be the fact that, you know, we're back. This is football again. Let's just sit down on a Saturday and watch some fantastic athletes.
0: 100%. And, you know, number of times speaking with people during last season where it's like, Is it perfect? No, but we got football and that's kind of all that matters. But within that, there was still a little bit of, well, you know, such and such a team maybe wouldn't have done as well, or we wouldn't have done as poorly if it weren't for the way that divisions were, the league was. And so I'm sure there definitely are some people looking at, you know, that with a bit of a sour taste in their mouth. And I definitely have some thoughts on that. But Nate, what do you think about when you look back to that 2021 OUA
2: season? Yeah, I think in terms of lasting impact, I think it's kind of the you know cu- curiosity let's say about kind of a two division system and kind of how i don't want to say it necessarily fell short but i mean obviously we see we saw a number of complaints on, on social media what what have you about sort of the the level of competition on both sides maybe you know a bit over dramatic if you ask me but at the same time i can understand you know a team like like Mac or something like that, you know, feeling a little weird that U of T got it in a playoff game and they didn't get a playoff game, you know, would that happen a regular season? I guess we'll never know. But uh, for me, that's kind of the lasting impact. And I mean, um, unfortunately, it's it's Western dominance again. So uh, I hoping maybe that's left behind. In that season as well, but I have a bad feeling that that's probably not the case. Yeah,
0: spoiler alert, it's not. And I love that the uh, over dramatic statement comes from the guy with the Golden Gales helmet in his background because I think that is the very team that probably took the most arrows on uh, on social media and things like that. To me, kind of piggybacking on something that sort of uh, Tom you had mentioned, and obviously the and well both you kind of touched on with the divisions, but in, in my eyes, there's been so much talk over the years just of. A reformatting of, say, I forget the title they, you know, that's been bandied about, but for a a revamping of the like the national playoffs and having like an eight team system as opposed to just the provincial uh, champions or sorry, the the conference champions or maybe it was six teams and just having like a national ranking. And obviously that didn't occur, but just the idea that, you know, in the face of, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, all that, we had to do the system. Just the idea that, you know what? something was changed and it was temporary. It was only for the one year we did this, the divisions. And I think a lot of people would argue it wasn't a great, um, great thing, but just gave me a little bit of hope that, you know, maybe there is room for change on a very like systematic level in OUA. And perhaps even on a bigger scale, you sport football, of course, like funding and things like that always becomes the, you know, the fly in the ointment of sorts and trying to make that happen. But yeah, so I, I, I think that was an interesting year. At the end of the day, I think everyone's just happy that we got our football in. And um, I think the fact that Western won kind of equalized everything, whereas like, well, at the end of the day, it's probably what was gonna happen in a regular year, nonetheless. Um, but but let's sort of transition that into, and I imagine some of those teams are gonna probably crop up in sort of the three stories, three kind of you know things that we're most intrigued in looking at this year. Um, so we'll, we'll you know we'll go with the same order Let's, we'll, do a, we'll do like a three two, one I don't know if you guys have them ranked or if it's just kind of any sort of order in particular, but Tom, what's the third most intriguing story or piece of content on the field off the field thing you are excited to see happen this year or that you think might happen?
1: Well, to be cu- perfectly honest, uh, it's not necessarily something that I think might happen. I'm just really interested in the Carlton Ravens this year. Uh, with the head coaching change, like with Corey Grant and what he's going to bring to that team, I think Carlton for a number of years, even probably since they fought, uh, first came back in 2013, have just been sitting on that cusp and trying to break through a certain barrier that they really haven't been able to do in a number of years. And I think Corey Grant, with his experience not only as a pro, but you know, coaching at Mac and doing everything that he's done in the, in the CFL as well, I think he's going to bring a lot of ex- expertise and he's going to bring a at the very least a mindset of this is what it takes to be a champion. Whether or not they actually you know go over that hump whether it's this year next year or, or years after that that'll be, you know, interesting to watch and I'm going to be watching Carlton very very closely this year. That first game Carlton at Mac, or sorry, Mac at Carlton. I got that circled on the calendar. That's going to be something that I'm really really looking forward to. Um, number two
0: for me. Oh, and, we'll, we'll, we'll go around the horn here. We'll go around. Oh, We're starting not, we three. No, let's, let's pause on that a second though. Cause I, I, I had Carlton in, in, one of mine in just, I guess, sort of spoiling what I put as my number two, one of just sort of teams that I think might have a bounce back from last year. And obviously for Carlton, a huge piece of that was, was it week one or two when Tanner Young got hurt and just. Yeah, week two, and, you know, they were a team that in our way too early predictions going into that 2021 season, I thought, you know, with the six games, with the East, I thought was a team that I thought they were going to be what Queens was last year. um, You know, and obviously, you know, you mentioned the head coaching change, losing a few pieces there, you know, Nathan Carter... I, I'm. I think. I don't think he's allowed to play football anymore. I think he is too old. I think it's finally happened. He's been around for. I swear, I probably laced up the cleats with him on the field. But you know, if DeYoung's back, they got the two young Ferdinand boys at receiver and Denny and Kasim. They still got Josh Ferguson in the backfield. That offense could be interesting. Um, defensively, you know, it's 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 nowhere near as you kind of mentioned, Carlton of. You know, years past, it seems like, you know, they have playmakers on offense, but usually just a really solid defense. But uh, Nate, is, is Carlton a team? Do you, do you kind of have them in your stories or what? do you have any thoughts of Carlton at all?
2: I mean, yeah, for me, it's really like the the young piece. I mean, you kind of obviously saw what happened to this season when he left. And I think, you know, talking about Corey Grant, I mean, it feels like there's a much, you know, stronger energy around the program there. I mean, in kind of the past, couple years at carlton i mean when i was coming up i remember carlton kind of being this you know recruiting powerhouse and you always saw these guys signing for carlton and whatnot and they're really kind of the end program And i really kind of felt that kind of taper off in like the past year or two um so i mean it's a, a you know a bit cringier cliche to say they kind of got their swagger back but to some extent you know you feel like the, the energy is kind of back with the program and really going to be interested to see kind of you know, DeYoung and what I uh, probably be his final season, you know, what is that going to be elevated into an area where they're, you know, five and three, six and two, or are they going to be still hanging around that kind of 500 mark? It will be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean, like most of these teams, it's like, do you got a quarterback, do you got an offensive line? The rest will probably figure itself out. And I'm sure Mr. Young, Mr. Reed Van Van Kunitz, I'm imagining he's probably improved from where he was last year. And kind of similar, I don't really have too much on Laurier I want to talk about, but you know, with a guy like Taylor Algrisma over there who was thrust into playing probably earlier than they wanted to and probably earlier than he expected, seeing what their trajectory is down the line. But uh, yeah, that's that. Carlton, it'll be very interesting to see where they land. Nate, what do you have as, as sort of your, your number three story that you're interested with this year?
2: Uh, my number three story is kind of, comes down to uh, what many would consider a void, uh, that being the one left by Trey Ford at, at the Waterloo program. Um, I mean, you talk about kind of transitions, and there's kind of no more crucial point. I mean, at the at, at a program's history than kind of a moment like this, where you've built all this momentum, and it's it's time to kind of sustain what you've built. And it's got—I don't want to say it's make or break, but I mean, you know, I I I think we'd be lying if we said we had you know huge expectations for Waterloo this year given what they accomplished, even with Trey Ford. I mean, you know, <laughs> is it unfair to say at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's all nice and it feels good, but at the end of the day, it's not really that much. So um, it's a lot of recognition, but in terms of playoff wins and things like that, um, they they share the same fate as me in my career. So um, it'll be just interesting to see kind of how the, the program, you know, starts to kick in the gear and see if they can kind of sustain themselves as kind of a, Maybe not a household name, but someone who's going to be kind of in the mix going forward. Yeah, no,
0: I'm I'm happy. I'm happy one of you brought up Waterloo because I I was you know I was like Trey Ford being gone. I was like yeah, every, that's obviously like what everyone's you know curious what that's going to look like. But I think the thing that gets and and you hit the nail on the head with just the lack of success that team had with him, despite his just gaudy numbers year after year. But they lost way more than Trey. I mean, the other obvious one is his brother Tyrell, but like, you know, other guys in that secondary, Deshaun, Jupiter, Dean, I don't believe I saw back. They lost a number of starters from that O line. Um, They got Gordon Lamb back at receiver, I think James Basiliga. But then obviously that comes back to the question of who's throwing them their ball and who's throwing them the ball. And, you know, not all the teams have their updated rosters, but Waterloo does seem to have their 2022 roster. And it includes five quarterbacks. And let's just do a little, uh, well, I was going to say show of hands, but that's not really the most audio-friendly uh, you know, way of doing things. So by a yay or nay, if you've heard of any of these dudes. So we have a second year by the name of Nolan Cabin. That's, that, that's radio silence. That'll be a no. We have Nick Orr. Matt. I've heard the name. I've heard the name. Okay. All right. Shout. Kaladin's finest, Nick Orr, in his first year here. Nate's on the uh the CFC recruiting But, but I think
2: it, uh, you know, it's, I see him at that uh, the Jesus Academy or something like that, right? Uh, <laughs> oh. He's one of those guys. We'll save
0: we'll save that for for a little bit. Um continuing with the QBs on Waterloo's list, Matt Lynn, Ahmed Food, and last but not least, Brampton's Ethan Miller. Yeah, and all those guys are either second or first years. So, I mean, Tom, what are you thinking about Waterloo?
1: So, anytime I'm thinking about Waterloo, I'm thinking about Chris Portoya. and I'm thinking about John Behe, the coaches there. Um, obviously, having John Behe be my offensive coordinator at MAC, I know him, I would say, fairly well in terms of his coaching kind of uh, career he is not the kind of guy to sit on his laurels and just say, Hey, I got a stud and trade forward. This is, you know, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to recruit anymore. The issue has been kids have kind of read the writing on the wall and looked at this and been like, okay, if I want to come to to Waterloo and be a quarterback here, I'm going to be sitting on the bench for as long as this guy is still here. And that has, you know, really, really hit the recruiting trails and it is probably the main reason why you only see guys at, you know, first year, second year, and things of that nature. So, I know that Behe is also very good at trying to tailor his offense towards whoever is there, who's playing, you know, even back in the day, going from a Kyle Quill into a Marshall Ferguson, you know, no disrespect to Marsh, but they are very different quarterbacks. You need to be, you know, how you can't expect Marshall to do the same things that Kyle did. So you need to change up your offense, whether that's giving some more check downs, whether that's whatever you have to do to make sure that you're putting your quarterback in the position that they can win. Now, it was easier than when you have, you know, this is my clear number two. Right now, that sounds like a huge battle at quarterback. And obviously, they've been figuring that out during training camp. But it's no longer like, hey, I know this guy really loves to throw this ball. Or I know, you know, he's going to scramble at this. You don't know until those bullets start flying. So I think Waterloo's going to do, you know, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see two or three of those quarterbacks sometime in this year, unless one of them really steps out and decides that, you know, they are the person to move forward here.
0: Yeah, and you know the interesting thing with Waterloo, and you bring up a you know the great point with B and just with the sort of uh, and Bertoy and just sort of the institutional sturdiness of that program. Um, and I think um, even if this year isn't, and this kind of leads into the point I want to make up, but even if this year isn't great. Um, I don't think people should like. This shouldn't be a mark against Bertoy. He was able to obviously bring in Trey and Tyrell, build that up, and he's obviously it's, he that, that program's more th- than the Ford brothers. They're obviously incredible. But when we this is the thing to to you know Nate's point talking about the lack of success they had with them. I mean, we look at this year's schedule just real quick, um, and and at the end we'll go through kind of where we sort of see teams finishing or pr- projecting in the standings. But you know they open at York. Then they have a bit of a murderer's row home for Guelph, home for Mac, and then at Western. But then they got U of T, battle Waterloo, and they're at Carlton at Windsor to finish off the season. And those are we obviously talked about Carlton a little bit. Windsor's a team that I don't really have is it uh, talking about too too much, but I think they are a little interesting, um, oddly enough. But it's it's just weird to think that this team could finish a game behind where they were. Each season of the Trey Ford year this year, like like they could go three and five. I mean, obviously last year it was a three and three, but a five hundred season nonetheless. So I don't really know what to make of all that because, like, it's, it's just state the least. Like the same way that if they just if if the worst case scenario, if they don't win a game this year, which I don't envision happening, we already stated they're opening against York once again. They're opening against York. This team is not going under. This team is not going to lose all their games. But if they do win, say only one or two games, that's not, a, you know, you can't put that on Bertoy and the coaching staff. If they win three games, a game as many games as they won last year in a six-game season, and a game shy of the mark they were hitting with Trey Ford in the eight-game seasons, then that's not on. You know, you can't say, "Oh, do we need to rethink Trey's career?" It's been a weird, it's been a weird run for them. Very interested to see where they where they stack up. though I'll throw out my sort of. uh First story I was interested in, and uh, Nate, I'll, I'm gonna throw this one to you first and foremost because the one I have, this goes back to the divisions, it goes back to some of the chat or online, and everyone wondering about how teams are gonna fare when you know the the Charmin League perhaps is uh, is disband, uh, disbanded. Is your Queens Golden Gales, and you know, on top of the going back to the full season, all teams in play. I mean, just off the top. We know there's no more Federico, Rashid Tucker's done. I think just from looking through the rosters, I think Bedard's out of there. A few key losses on their O line. I think Butler's gone. Mosley, Penard, who I sort of more of a you know, filling in as a sixth guy on that O line. Going, you know, jumping a bit further to when we're talking about the standings, you know, I, I, there's obviously to, to spoilers it, is Western is I think undoubtedly still the, the crown jewel. I think Guelph is probably, if there's a team, without sort of seeing too much else aside from the beatdown they put on York in a preseason game, um, as far as how teams are looking so far, I think they might be the top contender for a team that could, you know, we'll see week one how they do against Western. My question is, is Queens going to be closer to that sort of top echelon of a team that can give Western a little scare, avenge that loss in the Yates last year, or are they just going to be more in that, maybe Mac Laurier, Carlton, depending on some of those things that we talked about, territory. And and if they are in that sort of second tier, is that a bad thing coming off of this Yates run with the East-West divisions? Or is this more, they got a bit of a jump ahead of schedule and they're still in a good spot. They still have, you know, James Keane and some ballers on that defense. So Nate, your Queens Golden Gales, go.
2: Yeah, uh, all very good points. And I think kind of the... The thing that rings true for me is kind of the the ahead of schedule thing. Um, obviously, I mean, like, not lie to ourselves, it is a bit of an advantage being in that East division last year, um, which definitely, I mean, helped their development. As you mentioned, like, it's like a few guys, you know, but th- those are like all very key guys. I mean, obviously, every time you lose guys, they're going to be seniors and they're going to be respected guys in the locker room. But those are kind of guys that really um, oversaw this transition between uh, you know kind of the Shane era and the Snide area, and really kind of establishing that new culture that's around the program um so i mean it'll be interesting to see kind of you know obviously you're going to need some leadership to step up and fill the void obviously you know a guy like James Keenan i think is capable of doing that um but it's going to come down to the the recruits i mean i don't know if you guys have the Queens football on instagram but i i think they might have overtaken the Guelph Griffins as uh, having that number one social media presence i mean maybe i'm a bit biased but I feel like it's been ever since I left, it's been a blast off season of all these recruits and all this film and whatnot. So, I mean, it's kind of time to start to make your mark, you know what I mean, at this point in time. And, I mean, you look at kind of all the areas. I mean, DB especially is one of them where they were just so young and already so good, like one of the best secondaries in the league. I mean, so and they still have like a veteran guy like Eric Colonna kicking around there. Um, I think that and kind of the young receiving core, I mean, that's kind of, I think, the biggest area that would need to improve Um, coming down the stretch last year, they lost Richard Burton, who is, you know, definitely Keenan's number one guy Um, and the offense struggled a lot. So having him back, I think is going to be huge for Keenan and kind of, you're going to see, I think some more of these younger guys for, for Queens start to step up and be receivers. Um, But I guess to finally get to my answer to your question, um, I think I kind of see him more in kind of that second tier. And I don't think that's necessarily a shot the Queens did, but I think it's just kind of, where I think Western's at at the moment, like, I don't know if I would put anyone in kind of that, that same, like at this moment in time, obviously things are going to happen. I I hope, I hope this changes significantly, but at this point in time, I just, I don't really see them in a place where I would pick anyone over them right now, or pick anyone to be like necessarily in like a one touchdown game with them. So um, yeah, I definitely see them in kind of that. Let's call it one B one beats here. 1B tier. Well, you mentioned the, the that defensive back core and it blew my
0: mind and kind of going through rosters and seeing just with the season that uh, Ashton Miller, uh, Meloncon had. And then I was like, wait, he's in his second year. I mean, it's confusing because of the COVID, the missing COVID year, what your guys are truly in. But I was like, damn, he went off last year and he's that young, like having a piece like that in there. Um, but yeah, Tom, what do you see with this Queens team going in this year?
1: Yeah, actually uh, chimes in pretty nicely because this was my number two topic. Um, I'm very interested to see Queens kind of what's going to happen now with even Coach Snyder. This is technically, you know, his, what, second, third year with the team, not regarding the, yeah, his third year with the team and losing that year in 2020 and everything else. Um, I'm interested to see how the team continues to progress. Um, There's certainly, you know, like Nate said, the social media presence is huge right now. And there's a lot of kind of hype that's always brought around with just that, you know, as soon as you're a present on social media, you're in people's minds. It's it'll be interesting to see how they kind of respond to things like that. And there was a ton, a ton of criticism against them last year because of that Charmin league and quotations and, and everything else in there. And so, you know, having a a full on you know, back to the regular season schedule that we've seen before the, the divisions and everything else. I'm very interested to see how, how things are going to progress with those key losses and with everything else. And quite honestly, I think right now, you know, it's always been Queens and Western for that uh, that top rivalry and things. But Western being Western and kind of really, you know, like that 1A, 1B that Nate was kind of talking about here. My most looked forward to rivalry game these days is Guelph-Queen's. With that Shane connection and things like that, I have not missed a game and they are exciting every single time. I know from being in that locker room in 2019 that uh there is certainly some bad blood there, and there's a lot of people who want to win on either side, and it's always it always makes for a great game. So I'm really interested to see what Queens is gonna do this year.
2: Yeah, no, I think yeah. if I could add one last point that I think is interesting, is that among kind of those key guys that are leaving, it's kind of the last remnants of kind of the Shea and Eric. Those are still Shane's guys. So it's at like a point in time, um, just kind of building off your point, Tom, that uh, this is really like Snyder's guys now. There's no more kind of leftovers from, from the past regime. So uh, we're going to kind of really see what his his version of Queens is, is mm-hmm. going to look like. And, and, and that's a... Yeah, and, sorry.
1: Sorry, just one last thing on that that I wanted to mention. It's not only now is Ryan there, but Pat is now oh, yeah. the online coach. So it is literally the Shea and family with Devin being the receiver, co- receiving coach as well against Queens. And I cannot wait for that game.
0: Yeah. And obviously, as you said that, that Shea connections just now bolstered uh, with, with Pat on the O-line. Um, and, but I think there's a similar point to be said about Ryan, what he's running at Guelph, you know, being this offensive QB guru coming from Calgary and all these things. And, and, And the whole thing of being, as you said about the the vestiges of the Sheehan era in in Queens, kind of now kind of now having passed, there is sort of this thing with Guelph too, where you know it's like, hey, this is, you know, you can really now say like we we can judge you as 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 harshly and as critically as we want to, because like you've had time to bring in guys that match your system stylistically, fit with the things that you want to do, and so I think there's a really great parallel with Guelph and Queens that goes beyond just the historical rivalry of that, but just actually where they are with these two teams where they have these young head coaches molding the program in their image, the sort of former uh, regime kind of passing over now. Um, And the connections, obviously uh, they they go even deeper when you add in the Stu Lang piece of it all. And just, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's great. So is is that, that was your second one is the, the Queens Guelph connection there. Beautiful. So, Nate,
2: what do you have next for your story? What's your next story? Uh, I I had Queens in there at my number two, but I think if I would jump into my my last one, it kind of builds off what we were talking about there. So yeah. Uh, so so yeah. Uh, mine is kind of, are we going to see guel finally develop Ryan Shane's quarterback? Um, because I think they're at a, a strange point where, um, you know, let's just say the masses. Would have picked them to be sort of the second best team in the league last year i'm not saying that that's just uh what i see uh going on uh around the grapevine but i think you know they're at a point where um you know they obviously beat beat western last year um and i mean not necessarily the closest game um in the semi-final but i think they're at a point where if that offense kicks in the next year then i think they're kind of right there because i think you know, what you have Western's kind of offense, and it's obviously no doubt a juggernaut, a powerhouse, whatever kind of word you want to use for it. Um, and you look at kind of the progress they made getting a Hillock there in this first year, who I believe was a, a Guelph commit at one point. Is that right? 100%. So kind of ironic to see, you know, ask all these what-if questions, but um, kind of exactly what you were saying, Zach, about Coach Rai Shan being this kind of QB guru. And I'm sure the recruiting pitch must have been, you know, Look at Adam Sinagra, Look at all these guys. I've had crate winners that I've developed, you know, come here and let's do the same thing. And we just haven't seen it yet for for whatever reason. So um, for me, that's what's going to be interesting kind of coming into this year is kind of what's that next step going to be for Guelph if there is one? Because if they get that quarterback spot lined up, then I think they have a chance to be right there with Western. but remains to be seen
0: you know and i i loved what uh i loved what we saw from Sean Law uh in his performances a guy that can you know throw a deep ball and when he had obviously he doesn't have Keandre there running routes for him but Clark Barnes is a guy that i think could be in contention for maybe the best receiver in the league this year depending on what they can do offensively and who's on that offensive line and, and everything like that and you know they still have the the three-headed I and mean, it's not quite a monster, but, like, in the backfield, you know, names like Kane Stevenson, Kwame Osi, Juwan Jeffrey, guys that have been there four times both in the Sheehan era and I think a few of them going back uh, prior to that, a guy like Richard Morris who's been there a while. So, like, this is a team that's going to do what they probably always do, you know, decently and try and run the ball. And, of course, that Sheehan aspect with, um, with Law or whomever ends up at Q. And, and a defense that I think is, is very – I mean, we talk about some of those ballers in the Queen's secondary – um, and in their linebacking core, um, Guelph, I think, is right there with them. And uh, you know, I, this this um, this didn't quite make my story because it was one of my stories because it wasn't there wasn't enough you know just oomph there. But you know, Christian Stewart, I have a guy that, you know we're talking about like guys that could be whether Clark Barnes could be the top receiver. I think Christian Stewart has a chance to maybe end up as the best defensive lineman in this coming OUA season. Tom, you were nodding your head as I was saying that you spent some time with this team not too long ago. Whether it's on that point or just anything Guelph related, what, what are some of your thoughts on uh, on Nate's uh, on Nate's uh, story here?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree um, with having been around that program in 2019 when Shan kind of just took over, and you know, seeing the things that he was bringing in the the way that he was going about things, um, I have. I have a lot of faith in the fact that they are, I think, a quarterback and a, probably a good dynamic between a quarterback-receiver relationship away from being that you know, upper echelon with Western and everything else. That defense with Deke is just unbelievable. Um, having guys like Justin Lozon in there who was a stud when he was a first-year guy out of CJEP, and then having guys like Yusuf and like Christian Stewart who are both from you know the Hamilton area and that St. Thomas More machine, uh, those guys have really come up, and I've seen – drastic steps you know from being there at practice and seeing them in game day and things like that christian stewart was a linebacker at st thomas more and they transitioned him to defensive end and then that first year he took bounds to getting better as as a defensive lineman he's going to be a stud for them this year i'm calling that right now yusuf on the other side of him has been a defensive end for a number of years he's been you know He was one of those guys who really developed early on in his uh, high school career and was able to bully guys around and then wasn't able to do that when he got to university, but has now developed his game and has gotten a lot better. So that defense is going to be there. Um, Ryan Shan is a football mind, you know, growing up, obviously, with Pat coaching his entire life and things like that. I think he's going to his biggest hurdle will just be trying to communicate everything that's in his head in a way that his quarterback can understand. If he can get that done with whether it's Sean Law, whether it's whoever, uh, they're going to have monsters, and you can see it—you know, his track record at Calgary. Obviously, those guys are are outstanding, but Shan is a big part of that. So if he can properly communicate that and how he's thinking into his quarterbacks, then yeah, Guelph is going to be somebody to, to look out for this year. You
0: know, and, and one thing I'll just tack on to you know the the Christian Stewart piece there. Where you mentioned the the transition from linebacker coming out of Hamilton to D line. Right away in my mind, and this would be an as good an outcome as I think anyone at Guelph could hope for. The guy is a linebacker. About ten years ago, out of London, that went to Guelph became a defensive end, and then I had a short stint in the CFL in uh, in Mr. Cam Walker, there, a uh, guy I got to play with. Um, so you know that obviously that that yeah, defense is usually a you got that that's never the question with Guelph. So I think we're pretty good there. So I think you know the the, the offense and the connection with Sheehan is is definitely the thing to look out for.
2: And just, just one more kind of reading the tea leaves thing. I mean, as, yes. a, as a former as a former quarterback, I mean, I always find it interesting to see kind of what the – I mean, I've mentioned social media, I guess, a couple of times already. But, I mean, you look at kind of Guelph social media, and, you know, they're going out, they're touting guys like Clark Barnes, as they should. But uh, I don't get any clear picture of who the guy's going to be at quarterback from that kind of stuff. I feel like they, if they knew they had someone that they were in love with, they'd be out touting them, you know giving him kind of a bit more love there. I don't know. Am I think, am I overthinking it? Am I being dramatic? You know, am I just kind of missing some of the love I got as a quarterback? (laughs) These are all questions we may never know the answer to.
0: Well, hopefully in a week's time, we'll know the answer to, because I, 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 I'm a believer in the, uh, and you know better than either of us, Nate, but that I think with a position like quarterback, I think having, consistency is as important as anything not just for the individual psyche but just for the connection with their receivers even just like the cadence calling the snap and things like that and just all those little things that unless things are abominable with whomever you have behind center i'm a fan of riding it as opposed to trying to you know as we saw a bit last year where it was like a little cassadi a, a little deandre it just kind of mixing it up and just you know unless it's really really you have some bad outings my personal philosophy is just ride with the guy that you think gives you the best shot and has the most, you know, the, the most kind of juice with the guys around him. Um But all, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a great, point. I mean, like that's for me, the biggest, like one of the biggest things is knowing, knowing that you're the guy and kind of not knowing if I make the one mistake, like, oh, like I'm not screwed and I'm not going to play any, like you can't play like that as, as, as a quarterback, you know what I mean? So I think something like that is so important in like, Sure, you may, like, it may not pay dividends off in the short term, but, you know, in the long term, kind of those couple mistakes, but then having that consistency, and that's when you get to kind of years four and five and kind of, you know what I mean? Usually guys like that don't end up kind of having this, you know, shuffle in the beginning of their careers. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, how it develops, but...
0: So the the next story I had um, talked about sort of two bounce back teams. And we already talked about Carlton a little bit and kind of the reasons why that season, um, even being in the East, went a little uh, sideways and just dramatically nose down for them. Um, but the other team, uh, I think underwhelmed people and and for different reasons than carlton did is the uh is toms mcmaster marauders um you know not a situation where you know we had andreas Duick was behind center all year long um you know a team that you talk about that sort of institutional um merit and all that i mean you know uh, after you know after greg marshall is 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 you know is is there a, is there a coaching staff? Is there a head man that you want to go to, like that has this, the, the amount of juices they got at Mac? I mean, and I think the biggest thing I saw from you know an old line perspective is they couldn't they couldn't block anyone last year. But then you look at the players they're losing. You know, a couple key guys. I mean, it seems like Enoch's probably done. Oh no, definitely done with what he's doing. You know, being on the Argos and all that. Nolan Putt's gone. I think Prio Cannon might be gone. Um, with the kicking duties, but is this a team that was just victim to that West schedule in the same way that people look at? It? I mean, Nate, you kind of brought it up with them looking across the wire at U of T a playoff game. Um, you know, like I said, they got Potassic in there. I couldn't believe it when I saw that Duick was back for another year. Um, what do we think of the McMaster Marauders? Are they in that second tier? Are they maybe a shot at that one B tier as Nate was kind of calling it?
1: yeah um, it's always tough to to talk about my boys like this but uh I don't know i don't I don't think that they're in that 1b tier I think if anything they might be in an uh and I hate saying the rebuilding thing because it's it's so appreciated and so like people say it all the time um but there's been a lot of changes there you know you lose a guy like Corey Grant John Parks who was their uh, uh recruiting coordinator is now the new head coach Jason Riley their longtime offensive line coach is no longer there. Um, they've got a bunch of different guys in, but with that, there's a lot of experience. Jamie Barisi being your, your quarterback coach, you know, all of his experience in Ottawa and things like that. Um, with that guy like Duick, I don't think you can ever fully count out Mac. I think there's always going to be something of a, uh, uh, a sleeper at the very least if they're not going to be, you know, a standard powerhouse kind of thing. But I do still think that they're going to be in that upper echelon of the teams, you know, maybe a, a five and three or even a six and two kind of a season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think anytime that Mac doesn't make the playoffs or even doesn't go that far into the playoffs and coach P's mind, that's a bit of a, a waste of a year. Um, so I I'll be very interested to see what this coaching staff can kind of do with all of those key losses and how they're going to change things up to accommodate for the new bodies that are going to be in there as well.
2: Nate, what do you think about Mac? Yeah, I think, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit more optimistic than Tom. You know, I don't have all the kind of insider info that he does, but uh, maybe I'm just living off Mac's past glory. I don't know, but I just, I feel like they could be kind of, like he mentioned, though, a sleeper. Like, I feel like they're kind of this team that people have kind of forgot about a little bit. Um, But I still think they're capable of being in that, you know, three, maybe even a two seed if things go right for them. Um, I think, man, what just sticks out for me, though, about the team is like two like severely like uncharacteristic games last year. The first one that comes to mind, Laurier, I mean, getting shut out at home like that. I mean, I can't remember seeing anything kind of that, you know, shocking or embarrassing from a Mac team. That's obviously, you know, a well-established program thing. They just don't do things like that. And then the second one being the Windsor game. Where, you know, you're, I don't know what was going on the refs that day, but having kind of a bench penalty that led to like essentially the game losing touchdown or whatever, just stuff that's like so uncharacteristic and I'm not used to seeing. Um, So it's things like that, that, that concerns me um, going into this year, but obviously kind of knowing where the program's been at, I, I turn around to something that I could easily possibly see at the same time.
0: Yeah, that that Laurier game was simultaneously, I think, when I realized that oh, Mac's in trouble this year, and also where I bought way too much Golden Hawk stock because that defense just went nuts that game, and uh, well, that that didn't that didn't you know pay any dividends for me down the line uh, w- with the Golden Hawks, but yeah, no, Mac is another interesting team to to see where they go once again. All that sort of institutional knowledge and everything like that. Um, Let's see where are we at right now. Who still has a story on the board? Nate, do we get the rest of yours out now, or, or? Yeah, I, I had a Waterloo Queens and Guelph, so I'm I'm tapped out. Tom, anything left on your board as far as things you're looking at?
1: Yes, my very last, uh, my number one thing that I'm kind of looking into, and it's not necessarily a uh, you know who's going to be at the top of the ladder or things like that, because I think we've got a pretty good understanding of that. I'm really interested in seeing if Windsor can recreate that home team advantage. I don't know what it is about that Windsor stadium, but my God, those guys just turn into a completely different team. They are confident. They can make plays. They beat teams. Uh, I'm just so excited to see if they can kind of recreate that. And if Windsor just becomes this, you know, home team that is just, you know, a completely different animal when you're playing them in, in Windsor. You know, obviously, we we were just talking about that, you know, that game at Mac. You know, even having with uh, the close game with Guelph, you know, we were such a high with them. But 14-12 against Windsor? That's a very, very tight game. And the most important part is all of these games, with the exception of obviously Western, when they really get kind of blown out there, they're in them. You know, there's never a, a time where you have a team that's, you know, all oh, we're out of this game, we can't win this, you know, we, let's try some different things or whatever else. If you let a team, I don't care what you think of them, whether they're, you know, they've got studs, whether they don't or whatever, if you let them hang around they will find a way to win or they will, at the very least, they will not give up and they'll keep going. So I'm very, very interested to see if Windsor can kind of recreate that at-home magic.
0: No, I I love you brought up Windsor. Um, And and yeah, Nate, I know is big on the magic of those golden arches in the background and just, what
2: the McDonald's effect, baby, <laughs> the,
0: the McDonald's <laughs> effect, uh, maybe also the depending on where you're coming from the seven, eight, nine hour drive to get out there, maybe has something to do with it, too. Um, and just, you know, I, I, we're not going through the schedule for every team, but we just to to quickly pull it up. I mean, they open with Ottawa. Um, at Windsor, so I mean, talking about as far as you can have to travel on the road at Guelph, home for Winds. Uh, of home for UFT. Of so off the off the jump, I mean, I could see that being a two and one to start the season. I don't think that's ridiculous. They go to Carleton. We'll see by then have a sense of where Carlton's at, what Windsor's looking like. Home for Laurier, another team that I know we haven't talked about too much, but I think a lot of question marks. That's really the big story. It seems like more than probably another year. There's a lot of question marks. A lot of probably new faces uh, on teams. Then they're on the road for York, on the road for Western, and then home for Waterloo. I mean, this is a team that is crazy to say what, one, two. But, I mean, I think this could be a five hundred
1: year. This could be a four and four season. Maybe even a good like, wins. We go see the Lancers years? in the playoffs oh, this year. You get a couple of home team uh home game wins against some big people you go against a Waterloo team at the very end of it who might still be struggling might have found their groove or whatever else that last game Waterloo versus Windsor could be like an eight spot for the playoffs like that's that's in, that's insane that we're being able to talk about that but with the schedule here things kind of work out and they handle the teams that they should and they keep it close or even get a couple of key wins the Lancers back in the playoffs.
0: I love it. Back in the uh the Kennedy days, it's been since they 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 made it in. That's of course, no, we're not talking US presidents. We're talking the former quarterback there from the early 20 early to mid 2010s there. Um yeah, no, shout out to the Lancers. And of course, talking about this programs and building and whatever we want to call it, what, you know, JP Cercelli being out there and and kind of similar, we talked about Bertoya and that Greg Marshall coaching tree and all that. So they're in good hands for sure, and that so mystifying home field advantage they have. I guess I have my last story and you know, it's never all that enjoyable to talk about the Western Mustangs. And I'm, I I go to Western right now, just from the standpoint of like, what do you want to say about them? They're going to probably beat everyone. And if they don't, it might happen in the first week. If anyone's going to beat them in the OUA against Guelph. And after that, I don't think anyone really has a snowball's chance in hell. But the question in specific, and this is actually going to lead into a little trivia that I'm going to throw at you guys, is can Western pull off the home Vanier? Is, the, the to me, the biggest story out of the OUA. Because, as we said, I think there's a lot of question marks on these teams. There's a lot of teams where it's like, to kind of spoil the next segment we're going to go into, You know, are they going up? Are they going down? We know Western's at the top. They're returning so many guys. That offensive line is stupid good. You have the Vanier Cup offensive and defensive players of the game from last year returning. and But but nonetheless, it's that Vanier at home when they have to play Quebec in the semifinals, I think, which would be a home game for the RSCQ team, um, which is you know such a big hurdle. Um, so that's so that, that's sort of the story in general. Can Western pull off the home of Vanier? But in, in sort of setting that up, just a little bit further. This is sort of the trivia I want to throw at you. And if you're listening, please feel free to play along at home. First question. Has an OUA team ever won a Vanier in front of a home crowd? Straight yes or no on this part. And then the follow-up is if yes, who, or how many times?
1: I'm going to say no. Uh, at the very least, I can't remember a time. If it, if that did happen, it's a very long time ago, but I, I don't think so. I'm going to say no.
0: Nate Hobbs? Uh Yes, Queens Yes, Queens Okay, well, that puts some pressure on you to get that right And unfortunately, Nate's half right, Tom's wrong Because it's happened twice before, neither of which were Queens So, a bit of the history here It's according to uh, everyone's favorite Wikipedia Prior to the 2004 Vanier in Hamilton Every single Vanier Cup before since 1965 was played in Toronto And in 1993, and in the inaugural Vanier Cup in 1965, the U of T Varsity Blues won a Vanier in front of a home crowd. So the Western Mustangs have a chance to become the second OUA team in the history of Vanier Cup, in the history of the Vanier Cup, to win said Vanier Cup on home turf since the year I was born. So kind of neat there. Obviously, Quebec uh, you know, Quebec City's become a pretty hot spot for playing that game. They fill out the stadium pretty well. Last time it was in Ontario was those two back-to-back Hamilton vannies. And even when it was Western in it, beating up Laval in 2017, I, I, I remember being pretty sparse in that crowd. So, you know, having been in Western uh, London for a bit, I mean, getting a sense of that football culture, if they do get there, I mean, I, I think we're probably pretty confident they'll be the OUA's representative in the, in the uh, national uh, playoff. But once again, that Quebec hurdle, if they get there, this will be a spectacle. Western at home for, I mean, let's face it, whoever comes out of Can West. Sorry, AUS, but you're not going to take out whoever comes out of Can West what uh what do you guys think about that like is this am I making too much of this or do you guys have a similar level of excitement about it Tom what are you thinking
1: yeah I think I think it's insane that as good as Western was last year they have a chance to be even better this year they had a rookie quarterback come in halfway through the, the season who did pretty damn well Uh, With all things kind of considered, but when you have that run game that Western does every single year with the monsters that they have in the backfield, suddenly you don't have to rely on your quarterback all that much. And you can really focus on him on being, you know, getting developed in things. And then he does some really great things in his first year. Evan Hillock coming into year two is going to have more confidence. He's going to be able to have a better dynamic with all of his receivers that he has in there. And he's going to, I think he's going to tear things up. I think he's really like even more so than last year. He's going to just carve teams up. And when they try to account for him there, that run game, even if they only had standard running backs in the backfield, they would just carve people up. But turns out they have some of the best in the freaking country. So, yeah, I think this offense that Western has is just going to explode this year. I think Evan Hillock, like I said, is going to come up and i'm calling it right now i'm saying evan hillock for overall oua mvp in his second year i think he's you know, i think he's going to be that good and he's going to be a you know a legend at quarterback uh, what his career has done up there with michael falltz and those
0: nate western can't can't be mm-hmm. can't, can't be a great feeling in your stomach to talk about them in, in glowing terms but is there any other way but in glowing terms to talk
2: about this 2022 mustang no, I mean, I'm buying a big collapse, man. I just I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I guys, lucky. I've seen him play. He's, he's chucking it up to guys. I don't. No, I mean, like, <laughs> I think, I mean, him and Magnate Jones, I mean, kind of the the whole, you know, teammates in high school, teammates at Western, it's really romantic. You know, those guys have, have a chance to be generational there, uh, you know, to be talked about for a long time. Um, and, you know, you had a guy like Keon Edwards, but the young backs they have coming up, too, uh, are just not real. So, I mean, absolutely possible. I mean, it's always interesting coming from, like, the Quebec side of things. Like, I, I never, like, have, like, the clearest picture of what goes on over there. I know they don't score a lot of points. I know Western usually scores a lot of points. So, I mean, like, it's something that, like, our... Uh, I would probably be more willing to bet on it than against it at, at this point in time. But, um, if you put a gun to my head, I obviously, I don't gamble at all. So, um, but no, I think all points are valid. All points are absolutely right. All roads. I think are suggesting that that is uh, the path we're heading down at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, all roads lead to London one way or the other. The
0: question will be whether Western's there to take on whoever comes out of Can West. Once again, apologies to the AUS, but not really. Um, yeah. And yeah, the Magne Jones piece is huge too, because much like we talked about Keandre Smith a little bit, he's a beast for them returning the ball as well and punting. I don't know if he does as much on kick returns, but, uh, you know, they had, their offensive line was given player of the game when they played. Was, who was it? They, I'm trying to remember who they played in the semifinals, but it, like this. And they have Keon Edwards and then they have Edward Winati, who. I, like it's not like you go to your backup and it's like it, it's not one and two it's it is a 1A 1B situation. We not I'm, I'm
2: sure he he would start for 99% of other programs. 100%. 100%. <laughs>
0: um well I think that's enough western talk that we should uh do for right now. Um so in moving into just sort of a big picture where we sort of see the standings kind of that idea of like t- you know top tier, second tier whatever, building, rebuilding how I want to set this up, little game of up or down, we're going to go through the standings from the 2021 season, and just, is this team going up, is this team going down, or maybe are they staying on the level, maybe with a comment here or there, um, with each team. So I pulled up the standings from last year, which still obviously has a divide East-West, so I'm just going to go starting with Queens at the top of the East, and make our way down to the bottom of the West with Windsor. So, without further ado, and obviously it was a six uh, only having the six games, but... We start with Queens, six and zero last year, undefeated. I guess will is the apt parallel, if if you will. Um, up or you down? guess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: that's how math works. Um, up or down? Uh, Nate, let's start with you. Up or down with Queens?
2: I mean, this is up or down, and kind of the connecting the two, right? Um, because I still think they finish above all these East teams, but I mean, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't be. A, you know, severe Homer guy, Bill Simmons Jr. over here, anything like that, you know? So uh, I think it, it's going to be down. It's not for a lack of, you know, my faith in them or anything like that. I just think, you know, if they're in a division with Western, I think there's a chance Western could have finished ahead of them last year. And I think, you know, probably there's a good chance it would happen this year. It could. I, we don't know Zach we don't know
0: I also don't know if 6-0 means they went undefeated apparently so just all these things that I'm learning about right here and now Tom up or down with the Queens Golden Gales
1: I think just given everything it has to be down Um, uh, but I don't for the Queens hopeful out there uh, I don't like that's not that doesn't mean that Queens is going to you know not win a game or anything else I just don't think that they're going to go undefeated you know I think with the schedule, with the guys that they have there, I don't think it's unrealistic for them to go six and two, five and three, or something along those lines and still be in that upper echelon of things. But, you know, like we were saying, I don't think there's any way that they beat Western in the regular season.
2: And people forget they did beat Guelph.
0: Okay. They did beat don't Guelph. People forget that. Yep. More fuel to that fire of uh, of what makes that rivalry rival rivalry so uh enticing going into this year. Uh the UFT varsity blues finishing three and three last year and a playoff, a home playoff game against the Ottawa Gigi's. Up or down. Uh Tom, up or down on the Blues.
1: I gotta say down. Uh I don't think the UFT is gonna recreate the magic that they had in that um that last year. Uh it's it's tough there's just there's just too many teams that are out there that are really good um you know you we start talking about you know i think matt's going to be uh five and three six and two i think queen's going to be five three six and two. well you can't have everybody be five and three and six and two there's got to be some teams that they're beating out there and i just don't see u of t getting back to 500
2: nate you know this team a little bit still yeah I, 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 you know it's a, they got a, a soft spot in my heart, you know, but uh, I mean, the reality is, I mean, you talk about kind of Waterloo being in this transition phase, U of T kind of a similar deal. Um, you lose sort of a talismanic figure like a uh, Clay Sakera, and, you know, don't really have a, a, a true, you know, bona fide replacement kind of waiting in the wings. You have a new OC coming into the program, you know, you're going to have to develop a quarterback. Still got a couple key players, you know, Adam Williams being one of them. A couple good guys on defense, Dom Sorocco. But I mean, if we're being honest, at the end of the day, it's kind of back to building at this point for UFT. Congratulations, first playoff game in, in what was it uh, since since I've been alive? I think it was also That's since '93 sure. as well. Ironically, '93, yeah. So I mean, great moment for the program. Hopefully, they got some great recruits in the door and uh, are getting ready to saddle up for the future. Yeah, I I, I agree. I but think, it's down. Yeah, I think it's just down. by virtue of
0: that they went 500. Like this team isn't going four and four this year. Um, another team that finished three and three in the East last year, the Ottawa Gigi's. Up or down, Nate? Up or down, Ottawa Gigi's? You know, I, I feel like you're not you're, you're not as high on the Ben Miracle train as me. But I feel like you got love for for yo- the young Ben Miracle.
2: I I look. I have a personal stakes on the Ben Miracle train, baby. I I uh, my reputation's on the line. <laughs> i coached the guy for crying out loud but uh i mean i got him there i got my guy coach marsh there uh you know i think they're kind of they could be kind of a sneaky team i think you know ottawa in the past has always been this kind of team that no one really thinks about too much but here and there you know they're going to pull out a game against Laurie. they're going to pull out a game against mac or something like that every now and then um so you know um do i see them being a playoff team like with kind of the mixed divisions, I think it's hard to say, so I'm going to say down. Uh, but I think they're being kind of slept on a little bit. I guess even being a bit sneaky, you know, Ben America being another year older and second year into kind of a new offensive system. Uh, you know, I think in the overall sense of things, the, they will have improved, but I think coming in back into this larger competition, I think uh, they'll probably suffer a bit for that.
0: Tom, Garnet and Gray, what are you thinking?
1: Um, honestly, I'm thinking they stay the same. I think that it, they finish at a 500 rank. Uh, I think they lose to the teams that we think we're gonna they are gonna lose to with the you know the uh, the Mcmasters of the world, Queens, um, Guelph, Western. But I think they pull it out against the other teams that they're going up against. I know that we were just talking about how scary it is to play in Windsor and especially how long of a drive that is for that team there. But I think they find a way to get their first win of the season there, and I think that kind of helps to set the tone for the rest of it. I think they get some some key wins in uh, the Wilford Laurier's. And I think if they can pull out that win against Carlton, they sneak into the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And, and Carlton's team will go to next, but uh, you know, all this talk of that Windsor Ottawa week one game, I'm starting to think like that could be a game we look back on in like two months being like, Oh shoot, team X made the play like Ottawa made the playoffs over Windsor because of that one or vice versa um but Carlton going two and four touched on them a few times they were one of my stories as a team that I think will bounce back uh two and four uh from in the East division um Nate where do you think the carlton Ravens they're going up down or are they staying on the level
2: I think they got to be up uh for me I mean getting kind of the quarterback back uh I mean you know, it's it's kind of a, an unknown in terms of how far up, but I just think, you know, from where they were last year, it was kind of very, I mean, sure, playoff team, whatever. But it was kind of, I mean, I, I basically gave them no shot in that playoff game. So I think, you know, now I would probably give them a shot. So I, that's a, that's got to be up for me. Tom, how about you?
1: Yeah, they got to be up. They have to be. Yeah. Um, I think as long as Tanner can stay stay healthy, for sure. We were just talking about the the magic that Corey Grant could potentially bring to that team and everything else. Um, No chance they only they finish the year with just two wins. Um They've, they've got to be up. How up they go? I don't know, but for sure going to be better than you know their previous record.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm saying up as well. It, it, you know, it's hard to be worse than that two and four, and also. They don't play Western in the regular season, so you got to take advantage of that. I mean, seriously. Um, The York Football Lions. Ever heard of them? Apparently, they play football in the OUA. If you haven't heard of them, they didn't win a game last year, so I can't blame you. And I don't know the last time they won a game. I have done the research on that. I swear I'm not this. I'm always, not always this mean to the Lions,
2: but why? Why? Don't stop, Zach. Keep going. <laughs> is this
0: is this our is this our uh, Nick to Jesus moment? Our come to
2: our come, come to, to Jesus, Jesus moment. moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's the segment name right like, there. I don't know who. I mean, yeah, Go ahead. You know, maybe maybe you know. Kind of this stuff doesn't make the uh, nationwide news. Um, But, I mean, it's been a really tumultuous offseason for York. I know we were talking about off the air about kind of the different stories that were, let's say, rumors and things swirling around about the program. I have nothing to say about them, but you're in a situation where the head coach was suspended, you know, the O.C. got removed, and, uh, you know, I didn't know the coach was reinstated until I saw him do an interview last week. Uh, So they got a new O.C., uh, the uh, head coach's son is still the quarterback there. You have former quarterbacks tweeting about how there's nepotism in the program. Folks, I've not said anything about having an opinion. These are just all things that have happened. Make of it what you will. I hope things get better for them.
0: Tom, does this team go worse than 0-6? Because that is actually a possibility with this being the the uh, the eight-game season again.
1: If you if you want to talk about six games versus eight games, then yes, they, they do go down. Um, but even just with Like Nate was saying, there's so many things that are going on outside of just what's going on on the football field. And if you want to factor in those, even if they go 0-6 last year, I still think that they're down this year. I think that there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, distractions that people are kind of talking about that's not just football. You know, it's the things that are going on with the nepotism and with everything else. And uh, I just – I think that they need to try to focus back on just playing football again. You know, not worry about anything else and just try to focus on doing their own thing and get to recruiting and whatever you have to. But yeah, this is going to be a tough year for York line football fans.
0: Yeah, I think if we were ever to do a Hard Knocks-esque, um, you know, video, whatever segment about a team, I think it would have to be York purely just because they're closer to a reality TV show special than a football Team, so like we could just save talking about them on the podcast and just have our fun with that. Let's go to the West. Um, we'll start with the top again. I mean, the Western Mustangs. Um, one, you know, that one loss we had Guelph early in the season, and uh, as Nate said, a not so close uh, victory or revenge game they had in the in the semifinal. Um, I mean we talked about them in my last story. I mean, I'll, I'll, just start off. I think they, and Tom, you said as well, I think this team does get better. Is this, are we in agreement? Is Western going up? No. Yeah, I think,
1: I think so. I think, uh, you know, that, that loss that they had uh, to Guelph. No, I don't want to take anything away from Guelph because they played their butts off and they really made sure that they, they gave their best effort there. But um, I think that spelled the end for Jackson cooling and uh, kind of, I'll allow for the Evan Hillock era to kind of begin and kind of flourish really really uh fully in there and uh that's uh, surprisingly like like we said obviously it's 5 and 1 but westerns on the up and up
0: quick correction Jackson White not Jackson Cooling unless Jackson Cooling's career at Mac was also somehow <laughs> taken down by Evan Hillock's ascension but I don't know that story but no
1: Jackson White you are correct my mistake <laughs>
2: Nate is just should we just move do we move on yeah, or anything? I mean I it, it's, briefly it's up I mean like golf game you know Tom hit the nail on the head they didn't have their shit together you kind of saw the improvement they made throughout the year it's a completely different team all they have is continuity going into this year more the same all
0: they have is continuity yes um Laurier three and three in the west last year um, this is a team that I still am very curious to see some more. Like, they don't have their updated roster for this season up. I'm curious to see what they're looking like just based on 50 year eligibility guys from last year. I mean, Entei Egwavon, you know, another top uh, receiver from that season, Christian Hutter, Copper, Will Moa. uh, Two of their standout defensive guys, you know, who've been there forever now. Um, we're also in their fifth year as well. Maybe losing them. Connor Caricello, I think, should be back um, at QB. But we mentioned Taylor Elgin. I I, I, oh. I don't know about that. Don't know about that. Okay, so it looks like the ball isn't. I think yeah.
2: uh, he went and played in Europe for a bit. And I think once you do that uh, and make a little little cash mm-hmm. for doing so I think it uh, I don't think you're allowed to come back out at that point uh, so the ball is firmly in Taylor Ellers, so so Zach you're you're a big Taylor Ellers mug guy if I remember a
0: big Taylor you know actually a quick story uh this is, this is from uh his, his dad who was working with the London Junior Mustangs this summer one of my favorite OUA takes I got about like the whole year which is that because of that Laurier game week two when Laurier was at Western when Jackson White was still starting that game and that was a tight game through a two, maybe three quarters before Evan went in. Um, so coming from Taylor's own father, Mark Ellgersma, shout out to Mark that without Taylor putting up, you know, a good enough fight, maybe Evan doesn't come in earlier in that year or as early as he did. And I mean, whatever. Western still probably wins, but I just like love just the, I this random OUA conversation I had on the sideline of a Western Junior must uh, London Junior Mustangs practice. But uh, I. I don't know. Once again, still seeing I love this defense. You know I love this defense. Hutter Copp and Willamo as much as anyone. So if those guys are done, that's a tough beat. But you know, guys like Shamari Hutchinson, Ayo Ajayi in the fold for them. I could see this. I, I could see this team going up, but it's also just it's uber competitive. What do you what are you guys thinking with this team?
2: Yeah. At the 55, show for the dads, baby. Self-proclaimed. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think it like I mean, I, I don't want to throw this team into the unknown pile, but I mean, it's, I feel like, you know, I I know Laurie is going to have a good defense, but it's, a, you know, when they had that good offense those years ago, uh, that's when they were contenders. Last year, I didn't feel so inspired by what was going on. You know, is Taylor Asgerts going to change that? I don't know. Lose a key weapon like Egavon, as you mentioned. The running back, Nelms, solid but not really explosive. Uh, But who is the guy, uh, the running back that came in late in the season? Quentin Scott. Oh, yeah, that guy. I want to see more of that guy this year uh, because he's definitely an explosive guy. But I think, yeah, I I buy I buy them sticking around at 500. But just because I don't you know, it remains to be seen what kind of uh, improvements they've made. So,
1: yeah, I would I would agree with that as well. I think they're sticking around 500. I think they've got a lot of pieces in there that are almost sleepers on that team. Like we're talking, just talking about Scott, that running back there, we saw some really great things from him even last year. Um, but once again, I know I keep bringing up coaches a whole lot, but you, you get a guy like Michael Fultz there as your head coach, you're never going to have a, a losing mentality on that team, regardless of what kind of you know record you have or who you're going up against and everything else. And I think he alone wills that team to 500, whether or not they make the playoffs or whether or not they get some key wins, that'll be remain to see. But I, I would say four and four is a, uh, accurate representation
0: all right so we got a few more left here let's try and power through them because we are over an hour i know the dads do enjoy the long format but we go guelph three and three last year i feel like we're pretty in agreement that they're going up they're going up we'll, we'll get into sort of our, our sort of ideal ideal of where the teams might fall in the standings but yeah that probably one b tier week one is going to be huge to see what they pull off against western Any anything quick off uh, off that off guelph that we haven't said already I think I mean I know I, I've said what I need to say earlier, so I'm yeah. good. Okay. Waterloo also at three and three. I'm now just having nightmares of remembering the like tiebreaker situation from last year with some of these teams. But Waterloo also at three and three last year. Like you said, it, it could they actually are can they somehow stay on the level even after
1: losing Trey and Tyrell? Up or down, guys. I no matter what, even if they go four and four again this year or they go 500 again without having uh the Ford brothers there it's always going to be a down no matter what you have arguably the best athlete in all of uh you sports in Trey and to lose him and to try to find your identity again and to see what's going on I think it's going to be a down year for them
2: Nate yeah I'm going down I'm I have big concerns I hope I'm wrong but yeah it's yeah. going down Tom's
0: McMaster Maraud is also finishing three and three in the OUA West in 2021. Um, I I feel like, yeah, they were a team that I had kind of as like made a bounce back from last year. Cause I think I had them just so high and then they went down and just, just naturally, I feel like they're better than they were last year, but are they maybe in that Laurier territory of just like a lot of question marks for this year? Or what are we thinking with them?
1: Yeah, there's certainly a lot of question marks for what's going to go on there and how things are, Things are gonna uh, roll out. I still think they're going to be up. Um, you know, they're not going to be the the max team of old, I don't. I don't believe, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a five and three, a six and two, getting into the playoffs and seeing you just kind of rolling the dice and seeing what's going to kind of go on there. Um, I think they're going to be higher than uh, five hundred, but there's still going to be a lot of question marks on that team.
2: Yeah, I think if you kind of had your odds, I think over/under you'd probably set it at like five and three or something like that. I think kind of five hundred or lower, I'd be kind of concerned for kind of where the program is. I think, um, but yeah, I think I something five and three, six and two easily for them.
0: And last but certainly not least, perhaps the the, the darling team of if not the OUA at the fifty five, our Windsor Lancers finishing two and four last year. I think from what we talked about earlier. I think we are in agreement. This is going up. We got Tom two fingers pointing way up like Brian Windhorst on the jump. <laughs> Nate,
2: anything, anything else on, on Windsor? Uh, I just think the fascinating, I mean, they did lose Gerard, right? If Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But I mean, I thought that what was fascinating for, I mean, a couple of big throws in big spots, but I mean, a key leader having a senior quarterback. Sure. Absolutely all true. But you look at kind of the things that kind of won those, those games and, let's just say quarterback wasn't the number one thing they had a great running game it was the defense and all that sorts of things so things that they can continue and improve on while still losing a quarterback i guess he's getting better yeah i i know it was david
0: adenner and having a really good year for them last year i'm not sure if he's back for another one but some good guys on that defense as well and of course the mcdonald's home field advantage for them um all right beautiful so that i think that segues us nicely into sort of just big picture where we sort of team see teams sort of finishing. All right. So we'll start I, I Western eight. No, maybe like that. I, I, maybe is it? All right. What is is Western state? No, we feel good about that.
2: I wouldn't pick against them right now. Yeah. Against anyone.
0: Yeah. So, so that's sort of, I agree with me. All right. So Western top of the t- top of the tier. Um. All right. So then for kind of based on what we were just talking about in the sort of one B or, Whatever that sort of next, you're kind of close, but you're not really close. Maybe you give them a game in the regular season, but then they whip your butt in the playoffs. We kind of have that Guelph-Mac-Queens tier, that 6-2, and 5-3 and three territory. Laurier, depending on how they're looking, maybe not quite there, but Guelph-Mac-Queens, is that the next sort of three teams we're feeling in the standings?
1: I'd say so. I think uh, those three teams, even with Mac and their question marks and things, I think they're at certainly you know near the bottom of that group, but still in that group. Um, if we had to rank just those three, I would probably say uh, Guelph-Queens-Mac.
2: I would go Queens-Guelph-Mac, but... Uh... <laughs> I'll be back at Kingston sometime this year for the first time in a couple of years. So I just got to make sure I'm on, you know, putting them below Western. I don't know what, what the hype's like over there. So I just got to cover my bases in my number, number two.
1: Yeah. I a live number, in, Hamilton. in my heart. Always. I, I live in Hamilton. It might be tough for me to make it out to a Mac game after this, but
0: <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, that's tough. I, I I think, uh, I, I Guelph Queens, Mac, I'm, I'm with Tom on that one. Um, so then, all right, then here's, So Laurie is interesting because are they kind of on their own little plane of existence, or are they now in that next area with, say, Ottawa, Carlton, Windsor,
2: or uh, the thing? I would I would put Carlton ahead of Laurie. Just the proven quarterback factor for me is an important one. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand for it every time. I'm gonna put it first every time for me. Um, but I mean, I think it. I don't know. What do you think about just those two? Because I don't know if I would put it like the other teams in there with them.
1: So, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put the nail in the coffin with Laurie as of yet. I think, uh, I I completely agree with Nate. I think Carlton is completely in that uh, kind of category there. And, you know, who knows with a healthy Tanner and with a, a few, you know, lucky bounces and things like that, maybe they're in that, you know, upper echelon like we were talking about as well. So, I certainly think that Carlton is up there. I don't think Laurier is going to go away without a fight. So I would put uh, Carlton then, and then Laurier right after that.
0: All right, so we'll call that you – know, got that the uh, the true Tier 2 after our mm. 1Bs and everything like that, Laurier and Carlton duking it out. I guess then we would – I would say then it's probably an Ottawa-Windsor thing. I mean, we talked about that Week 1 game maybe being something we look back on as monumental as the team that was able to sneak into like the sixth seed perhaps um and then just our lovely toronto teams at the bottom does that seem like how it'll probably shake out big picture so oh, again western where's, uh, yeah. where's waterloo i forgot
2: about Waterloo. Are you, are you putting them in that bottom three that's i might be putting them in that bottom three i don't know all right
0: this is actually this is beautiful it, all right waterloo beautiful i i just glossed right over them um is waterloo ottawa windsor territory or are they york toronto territory Yeah, I don't
1: think, is. I don't think they go back to that, you know, uh, steroid scandal, horrible ten year like just losing streak. Um, I think you know Trey Ford, Tyrell Ford, and all those guys—they were uh, unbelievable players, but they still had some decent pieces around them. I think we're putting them in that Ottawa Windsor cata- uh, kind of category at least for this year. I don't think they're they're in that bottom bottom run.
2: Mm. I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way. I think they're kind of. Coasting on past performance a little bit, I think you know it was brief, but we got a couple quarters of of life without Trey Ford in that golf game for Waterloo last year, and uh, as Coach Powell would say, it wasn't exactly a chilling endorsement. <laughs> so you know, for for me, I'm I'm not gonna put the the you know, for now, uh you know, for now, I feel so bad I then I have faith in the program. I want them to do well, but I think they're below Ottawa Windsor for me, but they're above Toronto. I think they would be Toronto and York, I guess, let's say, but I don't think they're like gonna be in the playoffs by any measure. I don't think they come close,
0: and you know at the end of the day, Waterloo plays both York and Toronto, so it might just be you know, the battle for who's the best of the rest um when it's all said and done but maybe they surprised. Maybe we're too bullish on Windsor and and it's Waterloo in that spot or who knows. We'll see what happens. Um, Guys, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Any last sort of news and notes uh, before we break for this uh, 2022 preview pod? Nate. I, uh, no, I feel good about that. That's nice. That's a good one. Tom, how'd the first one go for you?
1: Oh, fantastic. I'm very happy to be a part of the at 55 crew this year. Um, I am just so excited to get some, get back to some OUA football and things. And, you know, we've been talking about it a little bit on the social media front, but seeing teams get back into it, strapping the pads on, getting, getting some hits in, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to this. And to any team that, uh, you know, we've kind of written off so far in this pod, please feel free to prove us wrong. I, would, I always love seeing those random, uh, you know, unbelievable games that nobody has on the radar whatsoever, but I think this is a pretty – pretty solid foundation I, I I agree a lot with everything that we've up discussed here
0: yeah who, who will be last year is Windsor still last year's Windsor or is Windsor now another team is another team going to be the 2021 Windsor Lancers who knows that's why we'll be covering it week after week you'll hear from me and Tom on I believe Friday Thursday or Friday still in the works for when that will come out breaking down the week one matchups in specific me and Nate will be then we'll then be talking about everything that happened in the first week of matchups Come probably Monday of next week if I had a calendar in front of me. I would give you a specific date. But nonetheless, you will be hearing from us very soon. And we will talk to you then at the fifty-five.